Hello and welcome to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite hockey team every single day. My name is Ian McLaren, and today is Tuesday, January 21st. The Bruins are set to play tonight against the um, Vegas Golden Knights, and uh, I will be joined in a few moments by Marissa and Jemmy of the Boston Herald. You may remember she joined me earlier on the season uh, to offer up a season preview. So I thought I'd check in with her, a great uh, Bruins writer uh, and women's hockey writer, lacrosse lover, uh, and she contributes to the Boston Herald on a regular basis. Uh, so thank you to her for joining me. Uh, a couple notes from practice uh, on Monday before we get into it. Uh, David Krejci returned to practice uh, on Monday morning. Uh, he was wearing a non-contact sweater, so... Uh, he could try to see how things go uh, on uh, Tuesday in morning skate, uh, but it probably looks like he won't play uh, just to get that extra time off. Same thing with Tuka Rask, who skated on his own before practice, unlikely to play against uh, the Golden Knights. Um, you hear uh, the name Kevin Miller come up in this conversation with uh, Marissa. He skated uh, on his own for 15 minutes on Sunday. Um, and is trying to get back into uh, game shape after uh, getting injured in the Eastern Conference Final last year, suffering another setback in November. We'll see here uh, this week if he becomes a regular uh, appearer at uh, practice. will be a, a positive step for him. Uh, Bruins were still talking about their loss to the Penguins. Um, again, it was a blown lead. Sixth blown multi-goal lead of the season. They've lost five of those games. Uh, the one they won came against uh, the Penguins earlier on the season. Uh, something that everyone knows needs to uh, be reversed, that trend. And um, yeah, hopefully from the Bruins tonight, we see a full 60-minute uh, effort uh, heading into the break. The Vegas Golden Knights of course, just fired uh, head coach Gerard Gallant last week, replaced with Pete DeBoer. They're currently in a wild card spot in the Western Conference uh, with 57 points through 51 games, plus three goal differential. Very talented team, uh, better on paper, I think, than they have um, performed so far uh, this season. They're led in scoring by uh, former Montreal Canadiens captain um, Max Pacioretty. And uh, yeah, just um, a pretty deep team. You know, Mark Stone's on the team. He's second in scoring. Uh, former Bruin Riley Smith, William Carlson, Jonathan Marchessault, who they picked up in the uh, expansion draft. Shea Theodore, Paul Statsny, the list goes on. They've got some young players. They have... Uh, Mark andre Fleury and Malcolm Subban, another former Bruin in net. They've kind of been underperforming, and that's part of the reason why Pete DeBoer is uh, now coaching the team uh, over Gerard Gallant. The PDO number does not favor this team at the moment, and uh, they are certainly due for uh, some uh, positive regression, uh, meaning... Um, yeah, getting those saves and some more timely scoring. If you look at 
PDO. In fact, this team is 27th. Uh, so I could really use some production five on five and some um, uh, more saves and this team uh, will be better. And hopefully that doesn't start tonight against uh, the Bruins. So we'll get to my chat with uh, Marissa here in a moment. I just want to remind you that you can follow me on Twitter at LO. No, I am at ENC McLaren. You can follow the show at LO underscore Boston Bruins. Please download, uh, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening again. I hope you enjoy this chat. Catch you tomorrow um, with some more live recording a reaction from uh, tonight's game and a look at the break ahead. So yeah, enjoy this chat with Marissa. Now I am joined by uh, Marissa and Jemmy. She covers the uh, Boston Bruins among other things for the Boston Herald. Um, I believe today, uh, this is Monday as we're recording. Uh, Marissa was covering uh, the Boston pride matinee game today which i believe i saw was played in front of a, a full house how was that uh, game on monday afternoon marissa yeah competitive game pride pulled out to win uh riveters came back after down by two and then boston scored twice into third period and 19 and 0 and they're looking really good that's crazy 19 and 0 is that i'm i'm assuming that's obviously the record for the league the most consecutive wins and uh what would they have to do to run the table on the season? Yeah, I mean, it's not like these games have been dominant either, which I talked to some people about um, after the game, and I'm going to write about it eventually. Because um, mm. there have been games where they've won like 8-2 to two and 7-3 to three or whatever, but then there have been games like today where just they had more depth and they had their legs in the third period. They've had shootout wins. They've found different ways to win. And actually in their second year, they were uh, 17-0 and 0 to start the year and then lost on the last day of the season to the Riveters. And so oh. last weekend, uh, when they beat Connecticut, they broke the NWHL record for 18 wins in a row to start a season, and now at 19. And they look good, and it's tough to say if they'll go undefeated or not because it's such a, a competitive league, and there are so many tough teams. And, even, I mean, even a team like Connecticut that was winless until a couple of weeks ago took them to a shootout. So it's very impressive what they've done in a, such a competitive environment. For sure, yeah. Uh, I guess turning attention now to the Bruins. Um, I spoke today on the podcast about how, or sorry, Monday on the podcast about uh, the latest lone lead that we all witnessed uh, yesterday against the Pittsburgh Penguins. It was the second time I believe that they blew a three goal lead in less than a week. The third time they've done it uh, this season, which I think has never happened before. Um, I don't know if it's, uh, fatigue or um, just complacency or something Bruce Cassidy isn't or isn't doing or changes that Sweeney needs to make. Uh, what's your kind of take on how, why the Bruins have been blowing these leads and um, what it means kind of for, um, yeah, the rest of the season and, and if it's, going to be a trend that continues it's kind of strange because you can look at it in different angles if we want to look at Sweeney's fault or the personnel on the team it's essentially the same personnel as last year and it wasn't a problem right um, so for me that eliminates that 
And then you, I don't think it's like complacency or anything like that, because you look at yesterday's game and Cassidy talked about it today too, where they played a good third period. It was in the second period where things kind of went wrong. And then from there, Pittsburgh, that's a good team and they're able to come back. But you look at a lot of these games and it's not like they're playing that poorly. There are some instances like the Philadelphia game that are just an inexcusable or Florida game. Then there are other games like the last time they played Pittsburgh before this when they or a couple times ago, because you know that Thursday game last week too, where they blew a three nothing lead and ended up winning six to four. So some of it's a product of the teams they're playing. And then from just their perspective, I, I don't know. Cause again, like a game like Sundays where they didn't play all that poorly and the personnel, again, I don't think it's a personnel issue, but I think it's one of those things where last year we just saw things click on all cylinders so much that this year it's not exactly the same. And, it's not just all clicking just as easily, even as earlier on in the year where they weren't playing so great and they were the team coming back. So I think some of it's a product of just today's NHL that there are a lot of comebacks and there are a lot of games like this. And some of it is too, like, I just don't think this is the final complete best product of a team that the Bruins can put out. I think at some point, or I think they have the potential at least to hit a higher ceiling than we've seen right now. And that could eliminate some of the problems we've seen. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, we'll get to that maybe in a moment with about the upcoming trade deadline and things like that. But I, I saw that uh, Charlie McAvoy is kind of receiving um, some criticism today after uh, his play yesterday, uh, specifically that turnover that led to the game-winning goal by uh, Brian Rust. And um, I think it's being kind of exacerbated by the fact that he does have – zero goals on the season and maybe people are taking a look at that um i don't really think that he has been a disappointment this year in fact i think he's been pretty solid overall his uh defensive game has has really improved um do you think that kind of criticism on mcavoy is warranted or is it just kind of a product of the offense not being what people want to see out of him and, and just kind of trying to find a scapegoat for yesterday's game yeah i was gonna say people need a scapegoat especially in boston right people need someone to blame someone to yell about um i've liked mcavoy's game this year i've had a lot of people complain about him to me and i'm like just because he has no goals i mean you look at brandon carlo having a career offensive year things kind of even out so and remember too mcavoy's playing harder minutes than he ever has before he's being relied on more than ever before against top players defensively so doesn't always have all the energy to contribute offensively. He's getting chances too. The puck's just not going in, but there's a couple times a game where he does have a look or he creates something offensively and he's still moving the puck well, I think. Obviously the turnover against the Penguins, that's not good, but uh, there have been guys who had their fair share of that. Early in the year, Carlo had a couple of bad turnovers. Remember DeBrusque's bad turnover against the Oilers and <clears throat> Brandon had a bad yeah. one earlier this year that led to a goal too um, at home at one point. So, kind of happen especially with young players you don't want to see it but I'm not concerned about McAvoy long term at all he just turned 22 and he's a top pairing defenseman in the NHL I, d- I don't really care if he's scoring goals or not I'd be more worried about forwards and secondary scorers getting goals you'd like to see more offense out of McAvoy of course but it's not something I'm going to sit here and say is a big problem right yeah I totally agree with that um he I think he's been especially at this age you mentioned he's still only 22 like he has developed into a bonafide top pair defenseman for this team this year, and uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really think the the criti- that kind of criticism is is warranted. And um, 
but yeah, I guess it's just a matter of having to vent about somebody. We always need that, I guess. And it was a frustrating game yesterday, but overall the Bruins, I kind of joked on Twitter yesterday that the Bruins are the most disappointing second overall team. I guess they're technically third uh, behind Washington and St. Louis, but um, if you had told me at the beginning of the season that this is where they would be with with a game left before the All-Star break, I, I would have been pretty happy with that. And that, um, yeah, hopefully they can keep things going here against Vegas um, on Tuesday. Um, before I get on that, uh, just wanted to kind of revisit the decision to uh, waive David Backus uh, a few days ago. Um, was that something that you saw as a, a surprising move and um, now that they've given him kind of the nine days or the all-star break to assess uh, his options um, what do you think Bacchus is going to choose to do whether it be report to Providence or uh, decline to report retire request a trade well, how do you see this uh, situation playing out and, and were you surprised that it, it came to that to begin with yeah, to me it was a surprise. It wasn't a surprising or sorry, let me rephrase that. It was a surprising move in the sense that I didn't see it coming, but it was a necessary move as in that I agree with it. Um I don't think Bacchus has really done much the past 2 years to stay in the lineup. I think his biggest asset has been just his locker room presence and everyone on the team has that has talked about it has mentioned missing him in the room and of course they will. He was a leader for the team. Uh former captain in the NHL was the Blues, so I think they do lose that aspect and that that's not overrated. Like that does matter, but I, I would prefer they go in a direction of having guys like Carson Coleman or maybe Anton Blee down the road and just younger guys, energy guys in the lineup. That's something I'd prefer. It's, I was saying it during the Stanley cup last year that I liked that style. And I think that the Bruins are more a skilled team that plays physical than a physical team that plays skilled. Um, so I think back just didn't fit in with what they wanted to accomplish and basically where their ceiling is anymore he wasn't a part of that as far as what he's going to do no idea he's taking the 10 days off for the all-star break and then going from there it depends if he wants to keep playing if he does want to keep playing if he thinks he has more to give then no reason he wouldn't report to Providence and just try to play and see if there's an opening you never know uh, they they don't have the best right wing depth in the world still so if someone goes down he's an option I guess um, but it depends too he's had the concussion history Clearly isn't the same guy he was even a couple of years ago. So I don't really know where it ends up going, but I think unless something drastic happens, he's not a part of their plans at this point. Right. Yeah, I don't, it's tough with the, yeah, his concussion history, whether or not he wants to go to the AHL, considering his family situation, things like that. It's It'll be really interesting to see how how that plays out for sure. I think when we spoke, um before the start of the season it was already a discussion point as to um what the Bruins were going to do on the right side still that um second line right wing spot has been filled uh pretty decently by uh, Anders Bjork over the last several games but um I still think uh an upgrade at that position is necessary. There's lots of names out there like um, Tyler Toffoli or Chris Kreider. Kyle Palmieri has been thrown out. Um, is that 
the area that Don Sweeney is going to focus on prior to the trade deadline? And do you see any uh, other glaring needs for this team uh, to fill as we kind of uh, move into the final third of the season here in a few weeks? I think right wing is kind of it. Um, that's what I'd be looking for. I really like Kyle Palmieri. I know he's going to be tough against the cap. And he's going to cost a lot as far as giving stuff up as well. But he's someone like Coyle who has another year after this. And I just, I could see him fitting in really well in Boston and being a piece long-term. Toffoli's name has been brought up the past like three years and he's just <laughs> underwhelming to me. Like he's fine, but doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who's going to like solve a bunch of problems or suddenly start scoring. He's been declining a bit in LA as it is. So you're not going to have to give up much, I guess, but I'd be a little underwhelmed by that. And I like Chris Kreider quite a bit, but so does a lot of other teams I would imagine. And the Rangers are kind of in it still. So it's tough to say what direction they might go in moving him or not. So, I mean, there are always guys we don't even think about too, like Johansson last year or something all of a sudden. So um, it'll be interesting what Sweeney wants to do. I wouldn't be stunned if they go for uh, some defensive depth as well, like an, a seventh defenseman type, if they feel they need something like that, because there have been some inconsistencies with Moore and even Grizzlick at one point. So I, I wouldn't be stunned by that. But uh, they don't have a ton of cap flexibility. They do have a little bit more, uh, one million with um, Sackets being sent down. So Remains to be seen. To me, Palmieri's at the top of my list, but fully recognizing that, that that would take a lot. Right. Yeah, as a follow-up to that, the Moore-Grizzly pairing has been uh, not great. Um, I think I saw today that, that Kevin Miller skated. He may or may not be able to come back at some point. Um, that kind of right-handed shot defenseman, I think, for that third pairing would, would be a nice addition as well, but I guess that's tough with with more being signed fairly long-term, like what you don't want him necessarily as the seventh defenseman, but um, do you think that's a consideration as well? Just getting a guy in for that um, playing with, with Grizzly. Well, Miller skated for 15 minutes yesterday for, for the first time in like three months at least. So right. I'm not ready to totally get on board with that yet. Um, it would be great if he could come back, especially right before the playoffs or something. I think he would bring a lot as far as the right kind of physicality into the lineup and just strong defensive game and some leadership, I think that would be great for them. But again, they thought he was progressing in October into November and then he just stopped skating all of a sudden and just started as far as we know yesterday. So um, I don't think that's a reliable option right now, but more of like, if he does come back, then great. And uh, I think I read uh, Pierre Lebrun the other day. He he wrote about how well Ilya Kovalchuk uh, has been doing in Montreal and the possibility of them kind of flipping him at, prior to the deadline for a pick. Um, and he suggested the Bruins could maybe look into that. Um, it seems like if they were interested, they they would have just signed him in the first place. And they don't. The Bruins and Canadians haven't made a trade. I think in like over 15 years or something like that. Um, do you think Sweeney just, that's not on his radar at the moment? That's that's kind of come and gone, not something that he, he's not going to look at despite how well he's been playing for the Canadians? Yeah, I think if the Bruins want a Kovalchuk, they've had several cracks at him, and I think it's clear they weren't going to go in that direction, and I'm fine with that too. He's been playing well in Montreal, obviously, and there's plenty of speculation, but... I'm not sure he solves a ton of problems, especially they'd have to reinvent the way their power play works and change 
the ice time for guys like Bjork or even DeBrusque and stuff like that. So uh, I wasn't on board with that, and I'm completely fine with them not being a part of their point. Right. So, yeah, I mentioned the Bruins have one game left before the All-Star break and also their bye week. They're going to have, uh, yeah, you mentioned 10, 10 days off or so. Um, they have been sitting in first place in the Atlantic pretty much from day one. Uh, the Lightning are, are charging pretty quickly. Um, how do you see the Atlantic shaking out? Do you see Boston being able to hold on here or is Tampa Bay coming on too strong? And um, also kind of moving down a bit, I, th- I really think Florida might be able to sneak into that third spot, especially with uh, Morgan Riley being hurt for the Maple Leafs and their issues. Um, how do you see that Atlantic division playoff picture shaping up as we uh yeah i mean it seems crazy to start thinking about the playoffs but it's only a couple months away really yeah i think the bruins are in a secure position i don't think they give that up unless something drastic happens and i think that um this team's aware enough and self-aware enough that they would address any problems before it got that bad i mean tampa's a good team but we've seen them have their issues before too so while definitely they're good and no one should have written them off. I'm not so sure I'm ready to just jump on that bandwagon right now. Anyway, they think the Bruins are a deeper team still. And I think they're a mentally tougher team still. I like Florida a lot too. They were one of my teams uh, before the year. I thought to make some noise and then they've been a bit inconsistent. Bobrovsky's had his troubles, but I think that that's a very talented team that could sneak up on a lot of people too. So there are some good teams in the Atlantic. I think the Bruins will be challenged. Um, they still have two West Coast trips up ahead, so that can be good and it can be bad. Last year, we saw them sweep California, and I think that was really a defining moment for the team. Um, so if they can do something like that, great. They have Western Canada coming up, too. Um, but I'm not worried about them relinquishing their position at the top. I think they're the best team in the Atlantic, and I think they'll. I'm confident they would address anything before things got out of hand. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I would hope that that's how it plays out. Um, just one more thing before I let you go. I know the, the all-star game's coming up and there's a new uh, thing this year with the three on three women's hockey event. Um, what, what do you expect uh, the impact of that to be? And uh, are there any issues you think in terms of how they're, compensating the players that are going to participate. I believe it's just a charitable donation or something like that, instead of uh, paying them to appear there. What's uh, what's the story with that? And, and how do you think it's going to impact uh, women's hockey to have that event part of the NHL all-star event? I wrote about this the other day. And I think that the main thing that should be clear is that it's good that women's players are getting exposure, but at the same time, the two issues I take with it, or if the NHL, like if it mattered to them, they could do a lot more than just this. So it, it's tough to just totally take at face value. And the other thing is the players getting exposure are the players who already get the exposure. And I think to me, it's very symbolic of the issues I would have with the NHL sort of taking over women's hockey, for lack of a better term. Is It's, it's going to be the same players. It's going to be, again, for lack of a better term, the 1% of women's hockey of the players you already know about, the players who have sponsors and deals and stuff like that, and not actually growing the entire sport. There, There's more players who are worthy of being pro and worth watching than just the Olympians. Because in the NHL, 
we watch a lot of players all the time who are pro and very good players who aren't necessarily the best of their country or anything like that. And women's hockey is the same. So to me, those are the only two issues I take with it. And the financial compensation falls into kind of the first category. Um, but overall, it's good that there there's more attention on women's hockey from the NHL and just in general than there was a couple of years ago when women weren't a part of the All-Star game. So I'm not going to put too much of a damper on it, but I think it's important to keep some of those things in mind while also watching it. Right. Will you uh, be heading to the All-Star game or are you going to get uh, a bit of a break here as I well? I will with, extremely like, be at the All-Star game. Oh, very cool. Uh, so, yeah, you'll be covering all all the – when it, is that women's event part of on Friday night? And then yeah, it'll be on Friday Saturday? as part of the skills competition. Oh, the skills is on – oh, because the, is the actual All-Star game on Saturday? Yes. Right, right, right. It used to be on Sundays. I guess they just changed they that. They changed it last year, I believe. Right. Okay. Very cool. Well, where can uh, people find your your writing on a daily basis? And where can people find you on Twitter as well? Um, on Twitter, it's at Marissa underscore and Jemmy. And if you want, my link is in my Twitter bio of where to read me, but you can also find it bostonherald.com slash author slash Marissa dash M dash and Jemmy. So would appreciate any and all reads. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for, for taking some time. It's always good to chat. And uh, I'm sure I'll uh, message you again in the future to, to check in on the Bruins uh, down the stretch as well. Thanks so much for, for taking some time. And uh, yeah, hopefully the Bruins can finish off here with a win before the All-Star break tomorrow night. Yeah, thanks for having me. No problem. Take care. Thank you.